0: Praise the Lord. One of the most uh, noble characteristics of uh, this church family that uh, I have experienced, been a part of for almost six years now uh, has been that we're, we're not just spectators. We're not just people that show up to a building on Sunday uh, to see what happens on stage and then go home and turn it all off, but we, there are a significant number of people among this church family that know what it is to say, on Tuesday, I'll be praying for you. When you go through a circumstance or a situation, I'm there for you. and uh, Let's nurture that. Let's continue that. Carla, thank you for being a voice for that uh, this morning. I want to invite you this morning to take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians uh, or on your phones, however you uh, view the word this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This is one of the passages that uh, we're drawn to in this, uh, these weeks leading up to Easter. We're 28 days away from Easter Sunday here this morning. Less than a month, and uh, I think one of the things that, uh, as I as I look at this passage, and as I've, as hopefully most <laughs> preachers of the word do, they pray over it, meditate over it, uh, ask God to speak to them through it, so that they'll have something to say when they're standing in a place like this. Um, I want to share with you just for a few moments. Uh, some reflections that I feel like the Lord has led me to. But uh, if you would, please honor the Word of God this morning and stand with me as we uh, read the Word together. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. I'm reading from the New King James Version. For the message of the cross is foolishness. That's, that's quite a statement just right there in it. For since in the wisdom of God the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block. To the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Would you pray with me for just a moment? Father, uh, we have been uh, led as as well as we can be to focus our hearts and our minds upon you to pull away for a few moments from the cares and concerns of this world and truly be seated in a place where we can hear from you if we're at home that that might be a bit more challenging but uh, there too i pray that those who are joining us online uh, are are being intentional about being in a place in their heart and their mind right now that they can hear from you. Help us hear those under the sound of my voice, Lord, uh, if, if something has already distracted us, if something has already moved our hearts away from, from hearing from you. If we've not been tuned in, and help us to do that. Young and old alike, we're all prone to distraction. We're all prone to letting other cares and other matters uh, jump in there and, and get ahead of what you're wanting to say and you're wanting to do in our life and there is a real enemy of our souls who absolutely wants to turn down the volume so we won't hear anything about life and hope and victory and joy and peace through Christ our Lord this morning we're dependent upon you and we're choosing in this moment to listen to hear, to take to heart apply to our lives what you would say to us in these next few moments through the, the preaching, the foolishness of preaching, that the miracle of salvation would take place, that a fresh outpouring of your spirit would be upon every person here and those watching online, we pray in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen. As you might imagine, this, the, the cross is one of those topics that Paul takes up over and over again in his letters. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 10 and 11, he says, I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. Dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do why am I still being persecuted? He's, he's referring to the fact that that's the law. I, I, there, there shouldn't be any persecution coming my way if that's what I was preaching because I would just be telling you to observe the law. And he says, if I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross, no one would be offended. It's a, another way of saying because I am preaching the cross of Christ Jesus. A lot of people are offended. And I'm being persecuted for the cross of Jesus. I was Pastor BJ and I were visiting this morning before the service as we typically do every Sunday. And, and I told him, I've, this isn't the first time I've preached from this text. It's been a few years. But, but I'm struck by how the word offense or offensive, or to be offended, has has really taken on a whole new life that it didn't have just a few years ago. Um, we are almost professional at being offended nowadays. I mean, I'll confess. Maybe none, none of the rest of you are. We have we have let ourselves slip into some kind of place. That I'm afraid has taken so many of us, probably unintentionally, but we've arrived at a place where we we just seem to wear our emotions totally on our, our shirt sleeves. Everything is examined and cross-examined. Every word is suspect. Maybe it's because we live in such a social media age where instead of having these unedited conversations that used to be the only way we could communicate, now we're able to dwell on every little word, every little nuance, edit, delete, rewrite, send it again. And then we're able to see not just how the person we communicated with felt about it, thought about it, but the whole world. I don't know about you, but I still value conversations that are just between me and one other person. And yet we have an entire generation now And let's not kid ourselves, this isn't a millennial problem. This is as much every age group that knows how to work a phone problem as anybody. And offense becomes something that essentially, I mean, definitions run the gamut, but but we could probably boil it down to whatever I just don't like. But that's not what was being referred to here, and it's not what Paul was thinking at all when he talked about the cross, the message of the cross being an offense. He was using a word, and if you go back and check it out, the, the Greek here is scandalon. You'll recognize it because we get the word scandal from it. Offensive, an offense, a scandal. The same word is uh, used as, as, here as a stumbling block. And, it's, and we even mentioned it here that the cross is a, a stumbling block to those who are looking for it to be something else. Paul was rise, writing to uh, Jews and Greeks. He was well aware of his audience. He was well aware of who he was speaking to. He was well aware of what they were looking for. He, he outlines it uh, very clearly here that, that, that Jews... Seek after a sign or request a sign. And and Greeks seek after wisdom. Give me me knowledge. Give me the facts. And he says the cross offends both of them. Neither one of them are satisfied. It's It's not the kind of sign that the Jews are looking for. It's not the kind of wisdom that the Greeks are looking for. And and we're comfortable because we can sit here this morning and say, well, I'm I don't particularly identify as Jewish and I don't particularly identify as Greek, but Paul could see down through time and say, oh, but yes, you are. Those groups are still alive and well today. Sarah and I and our most of our family, uh, not all the girls, uh, were around then, but lived for eight years in Missouri. How many anybody know the motto of Missouri? show me state, show me, can you say Jews, give me a sign, show me, let me see it, I want to know, I want to be able to witness it, I know I'm going to get in so much trouble for throwing these terms around this bit, and how many are out there today that say I don't believe what you say is behind the curtain, I just believe the facts, just the facts. And yet, we live in a world, don't we, where, well, whose facts? Your facts? My facts? His facts? Her facts? Their facts? Pastor BJ and I, again, were talking earlier in the week, and I told him, and he's heard me say this more than once, but I'm, I'm just more convinced of it all the time. The greatest victim in all that's gone on in the past year has been truth. Wh-wh- whatever side you're on. The greatest victim has been truth. We've, and, and, and because we cannot find a, a, a narrative, a, a, a storyline that we can all get on board with, we, too many of us have decided, let's just be offended and camp here or camp there. And But what are we saying to a lost and dying world when we do that? Unintentionally, all, as much as it may be, we are saying... There is no longer a singular truth that we can all grab hold of, that we can all pursue, that binds us all together, that we can all believe in, and we can all find life and hope and joy in. And I don't think for a second that's the message that God wants His people to be declaring to a lost and dying world. I don't think for a moment He wants a lost and dying world to look out and say, well, what do you see when you see the church? Well, I just see a whole bunch of division. I just see a whole bunch of people that couldn't agree if their life depended on it. God help us but But it's not a new problem, you see, and that's and that's part of what Paul is is trying to help us understand here. It's not a new problem. It didn't come don't make the mistake of saying. Let COVID's to blame for that. No, it's not. No, it's not. Well, a certain political persuasion is to blame for that. No, it's not. No, it's not. You know what's to blame for it? A sin-sick heart. It's, what it's, it's what's always been to blame. The condition of man from Adam and Eve All the way down to today. It's been dressed in different clothes, looked a little different, sounded a little different, talked about in different ways, promoted and and walked around and dealt with in a whole myriad of ways. But it is still just that one problem. There's another problem and... uh, uh, None of you, none of the rest of you'll get this, but Pastor B.J. He, <laughs> we've had conversations a lot about sermons, and uh, and I recalled to him a mess, uh, message that I preached at one time in Eldon, Missouri. I was uh, the pastor there. Was gracious enough to uh, let me come, and and he asked me the question. He said, uh, "When when in the course of the week do you get your sermons prepared? Or are you done? All this stuff," and uh, and and I said, "Well, brother," and I did this. Shaking in my boots, because if you knew this guy, you know he's just one of those that love to hold your feet to the fire. And love to see if you were on your game or not, whatever. But I said to him, uh, I'll, I'll just be honest with you, I'm making notes right up until I get in the pulpit. And I didn't know how he'd, I honestly didn't, I didn't know how he'd take that. And he stopped for a second and he said, yeah, I can agree with that. I was, I was ready for the guillotine, but I didn't get it on that particular moment. Well, what do, I, what do I mean by that? Well, just, just this morning, Pastor BJ and I were talking, and I, I told him, I said, I've been thinking all week about the cross and about this notion that the cross is offensive, the message of the cross is offensive. And part of the thing I've been struggling with is that's not where I've grown up. I've not, I've not grown up where Paul is talking from. I've grown up that this is, this is nothing but the symbol of our salvation. This is everything about the symbol of how we have eternal life, how we have forgiveness, how we have hope, how we have victory. Because it's empty. He's not there. So, so what is Paul trying to get at here? And it was really last night that I came across a story that reminded me of what Paul was getting at. And some of you are aware, I know the teens are aware, I've mentioned this to them before on different occasions, that uh, you know, today we don't think anything about wearing a cross around our, our neck or decorating our homes with a cross. Or put, but in, in Paul's day, they could not have even dreamed that you would do that. It would have been tantamount to you and I today getting a, a pendant in the shape of an electric chair. And saying, look at my beautiful. Why? Because Paul understood it, the cross, as a symbol of death. A symbol of punishment. But more than that, a symbol of absolute humiliation. Is there anything comparable in modern times? 1940s. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a well-known theologian, is led to a concentration camp. Along with his brother, they're in separate camps. They will both be executed for their faith. The irony of it is that Dietrich Bonhoeffer was executed eight days before U.S. soldiers liberated the camp that he was in. Now, it, it probably strikes some of us powerfully enough to just say he was executed. But let's lean into it just a little bit more for a second. He was hung by a rope. Accounts of that day say that it, it, it took, in some cases, five to ten minutes. Let me see if I can help you with this. Because in our world, five to ten minutes, 20 seconds. Go. Go. 20 seconds now 5 to 10 minutes that would be pretty bad that'd be I mean can you, can you top that yeah Nazis were professionals and not just killing people that would have been merciful if they just killed people and I'm not trying to degrade any of that awful horrible terrible But before they did that, to Diedrich Bonhoeffer and four other men who were with him, they first made sure the gallows were set up right out in the middle of the courtyard of the concentration camp. Then they brought out the women, the children, the other males, at least the ones who were strong enough to walk because they were starving them to death, brought them out, lined them up so they would be able to fully see what was going to happen And then they brought these four men out, completely nude. They made them make statements that they did not believe in. Some of them did, some of them didn't, in hopes that they would spare their life. It didn't happen. Then they led them to the gallows and then they took their life. Why? They didn't desire to just take their life. They desired to humiliate them. Destroy them. Now, rewind the tape. And here we are at Golgotha. What are the Romans trying to do? They're not just trying to kill Jesus. I mean, that would send a message. But that's not the message they wanted to send. They wanted to send the message of, we are going to humiliate you. We are going to destroy every shred of decency and respect that you could ever think you had. We're going we're to steal it from you. And we're going to do it in full view of everyone you know and love. Our hope and desire is that they will feel such a weight, such a fear, such a terror will come over them. Maybe like some of you are feeling right now, that... that that sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach? We want you to feel that so that you will not forget. We didn't just simply kill this one you call king. We didn't just simply take the life of this one you call Lord and Savior. But we had our way with him. And we'll do it to you. Now their heart was full of hate and evil. And it's why... We still have a tendency to feel these same ways today in circumstances that we go through. We can be walking down roads that cause us to feel like this This isn't just pursuing my... It's one of the things, I, I just got back from a youth conference and I was once again reminded of how horrible the statistics are about suicide in our nation, and our world. You want to know one of the things we don't want to talk about? The statistics about suicide are high... Because many of the people who commit suicide see that, in my case, death is better. It's a release. It's a it's a re- a relief. At least it brings an end. They actually see it as something that I have control over. Something that I can do. I want you to know I, I love you. I'm not taking us on this road because I just want to drag us. There's a... There's a point for this, but, but you see, they there was an understanding because the one who was motivating the Romans then, and the one who was motivating the Nazis in 1940 to do forties to do what they did, he's the same one who still goes after the hearts and minds of people today. He still has the same agenda. He's still working to try to literally destroy people. It's offensive. It's offensive. The very very nature of Christ's death on the cross meant disgrace and scandal. How How could He even remotely be the one He claimed to be if this is what happens to Him? Not just death... I mean, accidents happen, you know, the best of it. But how could he be subjected to all this? How could he go through all this? How could this ha- happen if he was who he said he was? Let me show you real quickly three reasons why I, be- I believe the cross is, was offensive and still is offensive. First of all, the cross exposes the real nature of the heart. Carla beat me to this the two criminals hung on either side of Jesus there's no better illustration of how the cross and 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 living through that cruelty going through what was being perpetrated there reveals two, two very different hearts I've said for years now as I have uh, been called upon to be at the bedside of, uh, of a lot of people when they've uh, Taking their last breath bid farewell to this world some in in uh, as noble a circumstances as you could ask for some in horrific emergency situations and everything in between one of the things i have noticed over and over and over again is that if they're if they're conscious and alert at all in those in those moments and they realize that death is at the door you will learn who that person really is It's as though we kind of lose the capacity to keep the, the front up anymore, if there was. Hopefully there wasn't. But if there was, we kind of lose the capacity for that. We just, we just go through whatever's there, whatever's really there. And these criminals are no different. They know. We've watched this happen. We know there's no, if you just talk nice enough to the guard, they might let you out. If you can just get somebody to appeal one more time... The pilot, they know once you're here, you don't get off. When they take you down, it's because it's over. So we get who they really are. Jesus, if you really are the Son of God, get us out of this. What's that? Selfishness. Me. Jesus? It's about me. See me? It's about me. And the other criminal. <laughs> what, what what are you thinking? He this guy hasn't done anything. We we know what we did. We know why we're here. We had no reason to expect anything else, but we knew if we got caught this was how it was going to end. But he's done nothing wrong. It, the, they showed their hearts in that moment, and in fact, uh, probably one of the, the most important questions that's ever asked is when uh, the other criminal rebukes the one who has chastised God for not or Jesus for not saving them, and, not, and he says, "Don't you fear God?" It's a good question for us today. Don't you don't you fear God? In Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. You see what we're capable of? In the Old Testament, Israel and Judah constantly relapse into sin. In this regard, the Bible is not the most pleasant book to read as a whole. It doesn't give the greatest commentary altogether on the people of God. We do as much struggling and failing and coming up short and missing the mark and not getting it right and absolute rebellion and turning against God. It's all there in the book. Nineveh and Babylon are mercilessly cruel, but they're not just a a weird class of people. They're human beings. I think we make the mistake sometimes in our world of, of, of acting as though, you know, other classes of people are somehow not us they are think of the, think of the groups or classes of people and we could, we could put all kinds of labels on this of people that you, that you just think to yourself I just don't get it, I don't understand what they're trying to do I don't like it, I oppose it, I'm, I'm against it or whatever and at the very base desire you cut us all, we all bleed we're all human beings Romans chapter 1 is a summary of the whole human race characterized. Look at it. It's, it's the Roman Empire and, and Roman civilization at its height. And, and if you really take a, an honest look at it, it's hard to distinguish that what Paul is seeing in Romans chapter 1 is not undifferent from what he would say if he looked out upon the United States of America and many developed countries in our world today. I don't expect to win a campaign or uh, get a lot of votes. I just hope to be truthful. I hope that we can see the word. I hope that God can will open our eyes and and we'll all be willing to say, "What's what's the truth?" Even if it hurts, even if it puts my shoulders to the wall, what's the truth? Because only the truth will will save. Uh, John chapter 20's record of the the crucifixion shows a world calloused to the death and suffering of Jesus on the cross. I have literally in this day shared the story of Jesus dying on the cross and more than once I've had the reply come back to me, what does that have to do with me? That's both a good question and a sad question. because at one base level it just calls me to cry out and say someone died on a cross and you can sit there and act like that it didn't matter how immune are we getting to it all i worry about this you know it's it's one of those conditions that the, the more we go through trying and hard times we can either grow more sensitive to the needs that are out there or more callous to it that's just, just how it is what are you going to do? It's just the way of the world. What, how are, you, what are you supposed to do? What are you going to, how are you going to respond? The cross constantly reveals the heart of people. Think, think back with me. Those of you who have spent time in the Word, you, you'll know these names. Herod, Caiaphas, Pontius Pilate, Judas Iscariot, the Roman soldiers, the Pharisees, the scribes, the crowd on that day even Simon Peter one of the things i love about the word of god is it's not one sided i mean it it just it just grabs a hold of everybody it says here's where everybody's heart was good bad and indifferent you'll find yourself you read the word you'll find yourself there more more times than you want to the cross exposed their true nature, and it still does today. The cross is, is also a call to self-denial. It's a call to, to, to put away the, rewar- the rewards of this world. The rich young ruler standing before Jesus, and Jesus, after examining him and having a conversation with him, says, there's one thing you lack. Go and sell all that you have Take up your cross and follow me. And in that moment, the young man's heart was revealed. Can't do that. can't do that. Paul in Second Timothy chapter four, verse 10, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. You see, we live in a world today that, uh, I'm afraid tries way too hard, To make sure everybody or to get everybody on board. Paul had a different turn about him. He had a recognition about him that said, "And, and I think this is the heart of God as well. I desire that everybody would, but I also know there are hearts that are for us and hearts that are against us. There are hearts that love God and hearts that are filled with evil and hatred. And there is a distinction. There is a difference. I'm almost daily amazed and challenged by the desire of many acclaimed Christian to be accepted amidst worldly and godless surroundings. I hear it in young and old alike. I I see it in myself from time to time. I was was saved in a church that, 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 that got it so clear and so right. Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Man's heart is, 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 is separated from God because of sin. And unless you repent, unless you call upon the name of the Lord, you will not be saved and you will not inherit eternal life. But I'm also thankful that I got around a group of people who also like to say, and there's more. The very thing that caused you to be separated from God... The very thing that led you to sin and to be broken in your relationship with the Lord. That very nature that's within you, not only is it to be forgiven, but it it can be removed. You You can be sanctified, set apart, cleansed, filled with the Spirit. Not just cutting the tree down and watching the sprouts come back up from the roots year after year after year, but literally getting at the root being sanctified and when you are sanctified you are set apart you look different you walk different you talk different you are different and we we have the job then of working all of that out day in and day out in our lives what does that look like how are we responding The cross, you see, is a scandal. It reveals a difference. On on the one hand, it demonstrates that that there's punishment and there's death and there's defeat. But here's the scandal I want us to focus on and I want us to, to leave you with this morning. If Paul could preach today, I really believe he'd like to write at least one more chapter in one of the books somewhere. I really believe he'd want to make sure that we didn't just stop at recognizing what a scandal the cross was in its in its awfulness and its in the fact that it that it, it it demonstrates the evil heart of man how how, how much how far we can go the links we can take to not only take someone's life but literally destroy them I think he would absolutely want us to know the cross has become a scandal Now, for some 2,000 years, because there came along one man named Jesus. And the cross was not the end of his story. You remember that everybody that came before Jesus, the end of the story was they went to the cross, they died, we buried them. Period. Jesus... He was convicted for crimes he did not commit. Not big news flash, the Romans did this all the time. People they didn't like, people they didn't... didn't matter if they had evidence, hold a mock trial. Same thing happened with Diedrich Bonhoeffer. No witnesses, no testimony, no evidence. Just someone saying, this is what we want to say he did, and a judge saying, okay, and, and then they hung him the next day. Jesus was convicted, sentenced to death, death on a cross... He goes to the cross. He's, he's, he's stripped of all dignity. He's tortured. He's punished. He, he, he not only suffers at the hands of the Romans, he suffers at his friends, who in that moment at least appear to be fair weather friends. Jesus, we're with you till it gets too hot. Then we're gonna back up and watch from a distance. And he's nailed to that cross, and you know the story. He dies on that cross. He's buried in a borrowed tomb because he didn't have a burial policy. He didn't own a plot. He didn't have a, Somebody had to d- donate the square footage to lay his body in. And that seemed like that was that, right? In 28 days, we're going to celebrate something I'm going to tell you about already. Because it's the scandal of the cross. The cross used to always be the end of the story. It was always the end. That's why they used it. The Romans used the cross because it it sent the message to the world. This is final. And Jesus said, no, it's not. (laughs) No, it's not. So here's what I want to ask you. How many times has the devil said to you in your life, this is it. I got you now. Maybe it's been through someone who has rejected you, someone who has torn you down, someone who has ripped you to shreds, that, that job you didn't get or lost, that thing that was taken from you, that way that you were mistreated, that way that you weren't listened to, you weren't appreciated, you weren't cared for, you weren't loved, you were abused, you were hurt, you were violated. And over and over again, it seemed to cry out to you, I've got you now. This is it. No, it's not. No, it's not. Jesus rises from a grave on the third day to say to you and me, I have taken the keys of death and the grave. I have taken the keys of everything that has ever come against you in your life and said, This is it. You're done. You're finished. You've failed one too many times. You've broken one too many rules. You've missed the opportunity. You've missed the mark. You're at an age now where you can't get it done anymore. Whatever the story has been, Jesus comes along to say, Lift up your head. Redemption draweth nigh. Victory. Hope. Because He says to us, I have overcome the world. Take heart. Be of good courage. I've overcome it. And He invites us to join with Him. And as you've heard me say from this place on more than one occasion, we can celebrate Easter when we clearly see the cross, when we clearly understand the price that was paid. I grew up hearing a song. Maybe you heard it, maybe you didn't. I should have been crucified, I should have suffered and died. I should have hung on that cross in disgrace, but Jesus, God's Son, took my place. So here's what I want you to do. What is it that has told you this is your cross? This is where it ends. This is where we nail you there, and the only thing left is the grave. What is it? Who is it? If you need to, name it out loud. Declare it. Let it be known. God already does. You certainly do. But don't let it have the final word. Don't go out of this place saying to yourself, I still have this cross to bear. It's a choice this morning. You can come and lay your cross down and take up the cross that Jesus wants us to bear. He said, My yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'd like the musicians to come back. We're going to take just a moment because I'm convinced if, if we don't respond when God is speaking, we just essentially say to ourselves, I'm just going to keep carrying this for a while longer. I'm just going to keep letting the enemy have the victory. I'm just going to keep letting my story be the way it is without having the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy that I, that I long for, that, that I believe He wants for me. You've heard Pastor BJ say this before. We, we serve a God who, He's a perfect gentleman. He's not going to force you. But He is inviting you. And He's inviting you this morning to look within To see this God who loved you so much, he took your place on a cross. To see this one who looked down through time and knows your name. Knows who you are and what you're not, what you're striving to be, what you're going after. And he calls you this morning to say, don't carry that cross that Satan has tried to nail you to. Don't carry it one day longer. I don't want that for you. I want you to live victorious. I want you to live forgiven, redeemed. And he's calling us this morning. They're going to play and sing. Would you just bow with me this morning, Father? how, How much we need you right now. You have the words of life. And we're here before you, nothing more, nothing less. There's nothing hidden from you, no secrets that are unknown to you, And you're inviting us this morning to come lay down the cross of guilt and shame and worry and fear and dread and everything that has ever held us down and take up your cross and follow you. You made the cross a scandal. It had said to the world, there is nothing but death and the strong can overpower the weak and ultimately destroy them. But you came along to say, that's not the final word. Help us this morning to be a people who receive your grace, your forgiveness, your mercy. Help us to take the step we need to take of acknowledging you and saying yes to you this morning. As they sing, if you want to come, now's the time.
1: I'm But that thy blood was
0: Calling to you this morning. Have you heard his voice this morning? Don't let the distractions, the temptations turn you away. Come this morning. Receive his grace. Walk out of here with newness of life, knowing that it's under the blood. Just as you are, it's all he's looking for. You come as they continue to sing. they do, and we're going to pray and we're going to close. But I just, uh, I just feel like there's there's at least one more person here today that uh, the war needs to end for you. The battle needs to be over. And and perhaps you're you're that person that you've been in a situation like this countless times before. But this needs to be your morning. There's a place at these altars for you to say lord i've i've fought it long enough but i see this morning that you went to the cross for me and if you would go to the cross for me surely i can go to an altar for you i can i can settle it this morning and somebody I believe needs to do that this morning. We're going to sing one more verse. One more opportunity. One more invitation. If you need to come, you come. And then we're going to pray.
1: Just as I
0: If you please stand with me this morning. If you would like to join one or two of these here at the altar, let's, uh, let's just take a few moments to agree together for the needs of these that have come and for those who have heard the word today. And uh, let's just seek Him together this morning before we go. Father in heaven, we believe we've heard your word this morning, and I'm grateful that you are more than sufficient for every need. Your word says that every need is supplied through you. And so, so whatever needs have been brought to the altar this morning, I'm grateful, Lord, that just as you overcame the cross and it did not have the last word, this morning you are speaking to these and, and others who are trusting you by faith and maybe some at home who are responding and saying, I, I, I want to be free I want the victory that Jesus went to a cross and died so that I might have. Oh God, help us to receive it this morning. There's probably not a person in this room or a person watching online that, that, that can't say that I've been guilty of carrying things that were not meant for me to carry. I've, I've tried to bear up under loads and, and only to watch myself fall short time and time again. Praise be to God that you have, you have made a way for us this morning, Jesus. You went to the cross. You went ahead of us to take away every sin. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's something we've been carrying against someone else. And we need to release it this morning. We need to let it go. We need to trust it into the hands of God. Maybe we've, we've seen division well up and over these past months and of going through unspeakable times in our world, and and it's not drawn us closer together, it's divided us. Maybe there's family members or employees or people we work with or classmates. Uh, Whatever has happened, Lord, we we pray that Satan would be bound from all of that. Thank you that you demonstrated on the cross 2,000 years ago that Satan can try his very best to destroy and to bring death. But you have come that we might have life And have it more abundantly. And we thank you for that today. I thank you for seeing me Lord. For having mercy upon me. When I was far away from you. And rebelling against you. You called out to me. And you drew me to yourself. And and you set me on a path. And you continue to hold my hand. You continue to to draw me back to you. when, When temptations and the struggles of life. Want to pull me away. Thank you Father that you have filled us with your Spirit. and Some here today, Lord, who may have long ago said yes to you and received your forgiveness, they just need a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit. Lord, that, that, that any evil intent or any, any thoughts of, that are unlike you would be pushed away because they are filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the fruit of the Spirit that flows out of their life. Young and old alike today, Lord, we're We're calling upon you and we thank you for hearing your truth this morning. We thank you that we live under the promise that you went to the cross for us. You rose again and you're coming back for us as your people. Thank you that there is no one here this morning too far gone. There's no one that has carried something too long that you can't deliver it this morning. You can set them free. Help us, Lord, now by faith to trust you by faith, to believe you and receive your grace and your mercy, to release it, to to, to begin to tell ourselves what we know is true, that it is under the blood, it is in the hands of God this morning, and we don't have to walk out of here with it burdening us any longer. We can leave here victorious, and we can go from this place proclaiming you and telling a lost and dying world what you've done in our hearts you will do for them. Lord, thank you for these moments together. Be glorified in our lives as we go from this place. May we be witnesses for you of your victory on the cross for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go.